Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DLBC podcast or the Discover Life Beyond Crisis podcast, an irreverent conversation about trauma and mental health. Welcome to this community. This week, we are talking about Biden's grades, the new season of of Handmaid's Tale. It is out, and today we talk about relationships and building community. Now, before we get started, remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcasting app, because if you don't, then we might die, and we don't want that. I'm just kidding. We won't die, but it'll feel like we die a little bit. Um, Anyways, thank you so much for joining in for this week's show, and uh, well, let's just get started. Emily, how was your week? My week was really good. First of all, yeah, I just do want to say, like, you don't want to have the our death on your hands, so please do subscribe. Yeah, my uh, week has been good. I got to do something new. I had a brand new experience, uh, and it was actually thanks to you, so that's exciting. On Friday, for the first time ever in my life, I got to ring a church bell. And fun fact, it takes a lot more strength than you would think to pull the rope hard enough to make it ring. And then I all of a sudden got really nervous because it was like 524 when we rang it. And I thought, well, now the whole town is going to have no idea what time it is because I'm just ringing the church bell willy-nilly. But it was very fun. (laughs) Uh, Everybody (laughs) really enjoys ringing the bell. Talking about church bells, um, my sister, I just found out today that she is going to be getting married and I'm super excited for her. I hope that um, that her wedding is awesome. Um, she's getting married in the Dominican Republic. I've never been there. I've been to other places. So, you know, I'm excited to see how all that turns out for her. But that's, I mean, that's the big news that I have for this week. And uh, we wish my sister all the best Absolutely. in that. As we do with all the people that we love in our community and our circles whatever (laughs) yep absolutely. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so the other day i was listening to vox v-o-x not fox f-o-x those are two different things i was listening to vox it was a a, one of their podcasts and they were talking about uh biden's first 100 days uh did you catch his address to congress that wasn't the state of the union Yes, his non-state of the union address. I caught parts of it. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched the majority of it and picked up on the clips and everything like that and all the commentary. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, there were a few senators that were uh, falling asleep during it, but that's just typical, I think. I don't know if you saw that. (laughs) I actually didn't watch it. I only heard clips, so I didn't watch like any video. But I can't remember, like, isn't, like, the average age of a U.S. senator, like, 70 or something? Yeah, so that was the funny thing is that, yeah, most of them are are older, so it's basically the same as, like, my dad dozing off in his recliner, you know? But, no, this was uh, Ted Cruz that dozed off during, and he's not one of the older ones. (laughs) No, Um, he's not. (laughs) that That was pretty funny for me. And then the one thing that was cool, and Biden made a big deal about it, it was the first time that uh, a president has ever said, you know, when you get up there, you you refer to the vice president and the speaker and uh, when you're the president. And so he said, you know, Madam Vice President, Madam Speaker. And then 
he kind of paused and people cheered. And then he was like, that's the first time our president's ever done that, where it was both madams. So, you know, I'm hoping that someday maybe the all these things uh, won't be as remarkable, but um, it still was pretty cool. <laughs> well, and not to take away from Kamala Harris's accomplishment, uh, but at this point, like, should it be something that we're just that we're like, yeah, we're happy for it. But I mean, it's just sad that it's taken this long. <laughs> for, right. Exactly. Uh, so. Uh, again, not to take away from her accomplishment, I'm extremely uh, proud that she is uh, one of our people from California, whoop, whoop, and yep. first uh, woman to hold that position. So, But uh, Vox, their analysts, gave him a B-minus overall oh. grade. Yeah, they there's some things that he did well and some things that he didn't do so well. One of the things that they have commended him on is his efforts to again step into the uh the global um arena when it comes to climate change yep. re re-signing that was is it the paris accord or something yeah. like that yeah yeah um i get that confused Sokovia with, with this, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> one of it one involves heroes um, yeah. and one involves driving my car less <laughs> um and then uh making you know steps and making you know america a leader in those efforts uh, but a lot of countries didn't really respond well they had more of a lack a lack of response to uh america's quote-unquote leadership in that uh, because of, you know, the last four years. Right. We have some trust to build back for sure. Yeah. You know? um, which I would be a little, uh, I would be a little nervous to after, you know, the last four years. And then now this guy's here and he's like, let's all work together. Like what if it switches back again in four years? Like you want to have commitment and consistency, you know, before you jump into, uh, to something. So I get it. Yeah, I mean, it's we're a fickle people here in the United right. States of America. So, anyways, yeah. So the you got an overall grade of B minus. You know, good things. Vaccine. Some of the you know, obviously, the bulk of uh, the development and the speed in which we were able to get the vaccine was mostly overseen by the Trump administration. And now the delivery yep. is being overseen by Biden administration. So I think both were successful in the goals that they had. We have a viable vaccine and um, we're getting it out. Uh, I think it's, we're at 50% of Americans. Yeah. American adults. Not, American. Yeah. I think not quite. I think I heard like, you know, like 45 or something, but it's like, okay. I don't know, like a hundred over a hundred million doses or something have been administered. So it's pretty incredible. Yeah. If you're over <laughs> the age of us, if you're 16 or older, you should go get the vaccine. Let's get to herd immunity because I'd like to walk around Disneyland without a mask someday. That's right. Yeah. So the one thing that definitely was, I mean, I've appreciated, I might be a little bit biased, but it seems at least to me that a lot of the promises and things that he made that he's actually, or promises or even just the goals that he set, it seems like the administration is actually reaching those goals. 
Um, so I felt pretty good about it. I mean, there wasn't like, I didn't think there was much in the speech that was remarkable. And if I got a B minus on something in school, I would feel really good about it. So <laughs> a B is a B. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one thing that they did say is they feel like he hasn't done enough. And when it comes to race relations, doing pushing anything forward when it comes to that sort of stuff. So there's still, you know, it's it's an arbitrary number, you know, to say, okay, after 100 days, you know, how successful is this president? Well, it takes, well, it's a big ship. So any president coming in has a lot to do, especially coming into a global pandemic. There's no shortage of work to be done. But uh, moving on, uh, Handmaid's Tale, talk about a trigger warning because this <laughs> show is just... Speaking is, of destroying society. Uh, we see, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Handmaid's Tale is uh, an incredible show, um, but it's also, I mean, it's, especially the first season was pretty vivid. There's just so it really highlights how bad humanity can get. And the scary thing is, yeah. you know, in Handmaid's Tale, this isn't something, although it's a dystopian type future where, you know, for the for some reason the world is having difficulties reproducing and having babies. A lot of the stuff that they show is in the, it's not stuff that, that could happen. It's stuff that has happened at different points in history and just some like the gruesome thing is just seeing it all at one time, you know, in one in one show is sometimes right. kind of a lot. Yeah, it was definitely really intense for me. I've kind of watched it on and off. It is a really well-made show and super popular. And so I was excited when I heard the new season was coming out, especially because it seems like maybe things are taking a turn. I mean, I guess spoiler alert, but um, it's not as as gruesome uh, as it was in the first season. I, I didn't actually watch most of the first season because of, you know, trigger warnings and things. But, yeah, I mean, how do you feel about the new season? Are you uh, happy okay, with it? Okay, so, you know, last season, again, this is a spoiler alert. If you haven't watched the first four episodes, you probably should stop listening because this is just... Well, if you didn't watch last season, you know, it was kind of a recap where June saved, you know, 80 kids... Um, out and got them out of Gilead and got them to Canada, which who knew Canada could be could be the hero of any show. Anyway, so she saved 80 kids in the show and they had like a big shootout and she got shot and, you know, they're uh, on the run and recovering and in this whole thing, like she's just walking around like a boss and I am definitely here for it um, just to to see her like stomping she just like stomping around like a boss and uh, even now like she's you know in the fourth episode she kind of finds herself almost back to square one but uh, i'm excited to see the next four episodes i'm not sure like if they're going to be dropping them four at a time or two at a time after this point i don't know but i'm super excited to see where the story goes um, I guess I could read the books. No, they, they are they are books. I mean, <laughs> why would you do that to yourself? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, because uh, the reason I would say that is because 
reading causes you to have to fill in the blanks with your own imagination and it's already so gruesome like you don't want to really focus in on it that much it's better <laughs> to just let it passively just fly past your face um while you're watching it <laughs> yes <laughs> so anyways you know if you haven't seen handmaid's tale make sure you take a look at uh maybe some of the trigger warning type stuff because uh, there's some explicit rape scenes in there and some other things um so make sure that uh you read uh, i have a friend that reads what happens in every episode of uh suspenseful shows uh, so she knows she can uh whether she can watch it or not so uh, you, i suggest you do the same because it is just an intense show uh, but it is a good show, and it's one that um, I love following. Before we move on, we do want to just talk very quickly. You know, Emily and I are life coaches, and we specialize in helping people who have experienced trauma and are walking a journey to to claim their mental health. And we're here to help you walk through that journey. The whole point of this podcast, the whole point of the Discover Life Beyond Crisis uh, book and um, our coaching is to help you not walk through this process alone. Both Emily and I have gone through this process per, uh, personally, and we've helped others walk through this process. And we know things that work and the things that don't work. And, um, you know, we're not... Uh, therapists, although we may suggest that you go to therapy. We're not psychiatrists, although we might suggest that you see a psychiatrist. We can't give you medication, but we might say, hey, um, maybe ask your psychiatrist about medication. But mostly we're here to support you in that in the journey of overcoming your trauma and overcoming your crisis. So if you are interested, join us for a free 30-minute coaching session. And you can go to dlbccourse.com and you can sign up for, for that free 30-minute <laughs> life coaching session. And uh, we'll be able to help you uh, initially decide if coaching is right for you. Or, and if it's not, then we can give you some other next steps and to get you on your journey. Uh, today, our main topic, we are talking about relationships. Most, we're not talking so much about romantic relationships, although we will get to those in, a future, in future episodes. Um, today, um, we're focusing on you know, building positive and supportive communities around ourselves because it's an essential component um, to our lives to be healthy, to be able to overcome the things that we have to overcome. We need to have strong community around us. Yeah, um, that is absolutely something that's been vital to my is vital to getting through and overcoming uh, some of the trauma and crisis that I've been through, but then also it's absolutely vital to maintaining that. Um, I don't think if I meet somebody that doesn't have healthy community around them and they try to say that they are emotionally and, and mentally healthy, I don't believe them because without a healthy community, I don't think you can actually do that successfully, at least not in a way that will sustain. So yeah, I'm excited to to dig into this. Yeah, so we, you know, Emily and I, we have a great group of friends and a great group of core friends. And then we have friends that are, that, you know, don't intersect with the friends that we share 
together, but we have many things in common with all of our friends. And it's that we are, we're kind of selective. We don't want to introduce a, I don't want to say a wild card, but there is, you know, we have some standards when it comes to people that we hang out with and the people that um, are part of our lives because, you know, we want to create an environment for ourselves where we can be the healthiest versions of ourselves and then also be a support to other people and be there for for the people that um, care about us. Now, when just a little bit of my background, when I was younger, me and my family, we struggled a lot with homelessness. There was a lot of uh, domestic abuse within uh, my family. Pretty much every guy that my mom um, was with uh, beat her up in some way. And, you know, be witnessing that and then having, having not a stable place to live definitely impacted my future. As an adult, you know, I, I am very dedicated to not becoming homeless. I'm very dedicated to maintaining structure in my life so that I don't become homeless and so that I feel safe when I, when I'm at home, when I have a home, just like in general, like it has to be, you know, a certain way. And sometimes like when I'm being pushed outside of those bounds, um, it can lead uh, to me having a lot of my own anxiety, um, when it comes to managing my emotions and for, Emily and I used to work for an organization where uh, we traveled a lot and uh, we were actually in Poland and Poland is a beautiful country. And if you guys ever get a chance, I suggest that you go there. But we were in Poland and we were actually at Auschwitz. So Auschwitz is where like they killed millions of Jews in uh, the gas chambers. And it was a very somber place. It was very beautiful but it was a very somber place because of the history that transpired there. So, you know, being somebody who is kind of empathetic that way and, you know, struggles with, like, depression and managing my own emotions, um, especially at that time, you know, there was a lot of emotions kind of welling up in me. And on top of that, while we were in Poland, we were kind of going from place to place and not really staying in one place like every night we're going to someplace different so we're very transient and not like normally when we traveled we would have like you know a hotel room that we would come back to and for me it's like an important feeling to know where i'm going to be where i'm going to sleep where my stuff is going to go and it was uh, when we were poland although it was a great experience overall those parts caused a lot of stress for me. So we were in Auschwitz and um, we were walking. A lot of Auschwitz is like an outdoor, an outdoor museum and it started to rain and I did not bring a jacket. I'm from California. I barely have a jacket. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. Why would you even have one? Yeah. We were in a drought for 12 years. So why do I need a jacket? Well, it's rainy in Poland. That's why. 
And so all these things coming together and uh, a friend who we were traveling with offered me their jacket and I just snapped at them and they didn't understand why, you know, at that moment, like, you know, I, there was so many things just kind of like swirling around in my head that when they offered, you know, they were doing something nice. Um, and when I snapped at them, they didn't quite like, it didn't connect. They didn't understand why I was acting like that, which, you know, there really is no great reason for that, except for I was feeling overwhelmed. And, um, in that moment, it was difficult for me to, you know, even now talking about it, like, it doesn't make sense that I wouldn't like take the jacket, but for some reason that was like the thing that pushed me over and uh, just the combination of being in such an emotional place where extreme tragedy happened, being transient and for, you know, for a long period of time, not knowing where we were going to be next, cause extra stress. And then feeling of like once being homeless and being kind of at the whim of uh, whatever was happening outside the precipitation, you know, that added to that stress and so they could have offered me, you know, brownies or something, and I would have acted the same way. There was nothing that they could have done uh, that was talking to me at that point was going to be an issue. And, you know, like looking back, I look at my at that time and I'm able to see, OK, I'm able to connect the thoughts and emotions, but the people around me weren't able to. Right. And that, I mean, that can be uh, typical, actually, right? When we, depending on what you've been through, you're going to have different reactions to different things. And uh, sometimes it's hard if someone hasn't been through what you've, what you've experienced, they can't really understand when your reaction to something doesn't line up with the, with the societal norm of that reaction, right? Like I would have been more mad if someone offered me brownies in that situation than if they offered me a jacket because brownies are not useful in that moment. Yeah. The jacket is useful, but yeah, I get that you were at your capacity. You were there was no ability to actually uh, receive that help. But it is interesting when you're dealing with people that are either maybe further along, you know, maybe more healthy, or that just haven't been through the same things. And like, how do you navigate those uh, relationships? So, yeah, and we were, you know, the group that we work in, like this was our job. Our job was to work with people and kids who have gone through stuff. So they were very understanding in the end and I was able to like, I kind of walked off and like processed and was able to explain to them, but still, you know, it didn't, it still didn't make sense to them. And there's a lot of times where, you know, we're in groups of friends and maybe you've experienced this in a less understanding group of friends and they, you had a reaction to something that triggered you in the classes that we would teach, we would talk about triggers and we would talk about the emotions and the thoughts that those triggers caused and how like there was parts of that were that were that were involuntary and then our reactions and how we process that were voluntary. And so we would teach skills on how to do that. I was not using those skills that day. But it's when we're in a group of people that don't understand the effects of trauma or even if you're in a group of people that don't even know what you've gone through and they're just like looking at you like 
what the heck? Like what? What? Yeah. What? What kind like, of? What is wrong with her right now? Like, why mm. did she react that way? Yeah, definitely. I've been through that a lot. Uh, it's kind of funny because we talked about Disneyland a few weeks ago. But um, you know, I used to be terrified of all rides, and I would never go to any theme parks or anything with my friends because, at you know, long time ago, the friends that I had, uh, they would, you know, like they had no understanding for why I was afraid. The truth was I was afraid because of, you know, loss of control in those moments and feeling like I wasn't going to be able to, um, you know, what if something happens on this ride and all that. But I didn't even feel confident enough with those friends to explain it. And so it just became this terrifying, uncomfortable situation. And so even, you know, like a tiny little thing. But now that I have a friend group that knows all of my stuff, I can say very easily, I can't do that ride for this reason. And, you know, you guys are like, <laughs> for the most part, like as long as you're not ruining our fun, we don't care, you know, do what yeah. you want. But having just that safety, that ability to even say, this is what I'm dealing with, if you don't have that baseline where you feel comfortable with your community to be open about those kinds of things, that's not going to be a very helpful group to be around. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, and it takes time and it takes like trust. Trust is, can be a curse word in in the ears of people who have experienced trauma, especially if they were a victim of a violent crime or um, they were a victim of mental abuse where there was a lot of manipulation that took place. You know, like trust is not a thing that is easy to come by. You know, when you're talking about people, like you learn to not trust people in order to protect yourself. And, you know, the, the reality of the situation is um, you can't develop strong, trusting relationships well, without trust. Um, you can't you, you can't get to that point without trusting people. Now, when we're when we're building community, there's three things that you know we talk that that we suggest that um, needs to be you know checked off. Like first, it needs to be safe. It's important that any community that you're a part of it's free of crime of physical mental abuse drug abuse um alcohol abuse really just substance abuse in general it's free of dangerous sexual situations and free of people who promote hate speech now we don't confuse hate speech with with disagreement because there's always going to come a time where you disagree with people um, but it's key that that you're not around people who are just uh who are who are just hateful um and everything that comes out of their mouth i'm i'm sure we know we can think of examples of individuals in our lives who are hateful you know the next is we want to make sure that the group is healthy now that word is kind of subjective because there's you know, you kind of have to evaluate for yourself, but some markers that are good indicators of a healthy group is the community. They find enjoyment when they come together, when they're around each other. Do they have fun when someone is hurting? Does the community come around them and support them? Do they unite and bring and bring comfort? Um, or is there a lot of backbiting and is there a lot of infighting? Is there a lot of conflict? You know, these are questions that you're having to ask as you're as you're kind of evaluating if this group is healthy or not. And you could only 
get to that point over time. I don't know if Emily has any thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, one of the things, right, is that if it's not, uh, one way you can tell is if it's not fun, if you don't want to actually be around those people, then, you know, maybe they're not healthy. And there is, it can be, some people might be uh, considered healthy to society, but maybe it's not healthy for you to be around. Maybe there's some reason or some issue. Sometimes that happens with like family members and things where it's maybe not like they're maybe fine, but it's just not healthy, the healthiest for you. I think definitely for me, it's like you want that group that will kind of ride the line of you want them to recognize when you're not doing well and be supportive or, and be, have compassion for you and give comfort and everything. But also you don't want a group of people that's always just um, always comforting each other to the point that no one's actually uh, fixing anything or growing or overcoming where it's just like kind of a pity fest. You don't want that. You want that balance of the other side of even with the people will disagree. You want people that will disagree with you and that will give you compassion. They'll hear you out, you know, give that care to you, but then also say, okay, like, how can we help you out of this situation? How can we help you move forward or grow from this or that kind of a thing? So you definitely want, um, I would say both of those, which I have more than enough uh, friends that are absolutely willing to tell me when I'm wrong and, uh, you know, help me out of situations uh, with their nice voices. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's shocking, especially once people find out that you have some kind of trauma, you know, they start tiptoeing around you and can be i don't know uh, condescending and almost and uh they can start pandering and um you know it's treating you you know i found when this was when i was younger especially parent you know people who are like parent age you know that i was the age of like their child um i would get a lot of people who would talk like that to me and like everything was just it was like i don't want to say too supportive because i think it went into an unhealthy side you know being supportive is there's a difference between being supportive and just like you know just affirming everything that you have to say and i'm glad that you know my friend group now and emily can correct me if i'm wrong but we allow each other to feel our feelings, you know, those things are ours. We're allowed to feel those things, but not to, we also try to ground each other in truth. I think that's a key thing when you're looking for a community that is going to not just support you, but it's going to have the capacity to help you move forward and, and you being able to do the same for other people. Also, absolutely. And that's like, I mean, that's the the important thing with making sure you have people that have strengths that maybe are, you know, not your areas of strength so that you can actually help each other out in those kinds of situations. And the other thing is if you don't want to be condescended to or you don't want to feel like, you know, you're always receiving pity, you're going to want to be willing to hear people and listen to them. And if you create a victim mentality or, or put yourself out there like it's never your fault because of fill in the blank, then you're kind of asking for that in your community. And 
you won't get the good out of it and the people around you will probably get sick of it. So do better. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they won't get the best of you either because, you exactly. know, in a, in a community, you know, there's give and take everywhere. Just because we've experienced trauma, it doesn't mean we don't have something to contribute. We do have something to contribute, you know, as, you know, people who have gone through difficult things, we have a strength that, you know, that, that many people admire. Now, do I wish that I didn't go through all that stuff? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that I wish that I didn't, but also we have something to offer that's unique. You know, another thing that is really difficult, uh, for some of us, I don't want to speak for everyone, but some of us who've experienced trauma and we're around people who haven't experienced trauma, we can get frustrated with them. It's, it can be frustrating to us who've experienced trauma when people don't realize how much trauma they haven't experienced. I don't know if that's a, if that makes sense. Um, but if they're aware of, you know, how fortunate they are to not have gone through, um, certain things and then, uh, and to not feel like that they don't have, like they don't have good advice to offer. They don't have valid, um, uh, points to make because they don't know where we've come from. And I know, you know, I, when I was younger and still trying to get a hold of those emotions, you know, I was in, uh, college and the school that I was at was a private Christian university and it was mostly, um, uh, white population who were upper middle class to, you know, above. And, you know, a lot of these kids, like their parents were paying for them to go to school and they bought them cars to, uh, drive around in school and they didn't. And, and so when I would see them, I would see them as like, I don't know, like weak. I don't know how to, uh, at that, at that moment, like I, I judged them harshly for not having the experience that I've, that I had. Does that make sense? I, I don't know if I'm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's also when you feel like, you know, especially if those people would maybe complain about how hard college is, or they're complaining about the situation and you just think like, you have no idea how much easier you have it, which the truth is Mason, that uh, <laughs> you actually don't know what, all of their circumstances were right. And so it's hard to, I have that same feeling um, sometimes with people where I'm just like, you don't actually understand. You don't, you don't know me, you know, mm -hmm. but um, the same goes for us, for that person. And, you know, maybe they've been through things that we're not aware of. And also there's just some things that just are true or, um, you know, there's some advice that is just like the right response to something. And just because somebody hasn't experienced it doesn't mean, you know, it's like it doesn't mean they don't they don't know the, the answer. It's like saying, um, you know, if I said to my physical therapist when they're telling me what exercises or what to do for my back, you know, it, it's like the same thing as me being like, oh, well, you've never had surgery on your back, so you don't know what to do. Well, no, they read about it. They've learned about it. There's some common sense things, you know. So 
it's like I want to say like you don't know me, but they don't have to experience it to know the right answer. So yeah, and ju- and just piggybacking you know, on what you said, like you really mm-hmm. don't know the things that they have gone through, and you know having money and having you know being in a certain class economically does not exclude you from having trauma and you know i know we know this because we've worked with individuals who were from the higher classes economically and you know just kind of feeling surprised like wow like at least like in the beginning like wow rich people have problems too or are people who who um you know who had two parents around you know they still struggled in different ways you you don't know where people are coming from and um you know when we are expecting a community to to accept us for who we are and um and to accept that despite of or because of our trauma you know we have we have something to add um, to the group. Now, it can be difficult, you know, when we, uh, you know, we learn about trust theory in different arenas, maybe whether it's in college or you're reading an article or something. But, you know, basically it comes down to like when you're a baby, you know, you got the thing when you cried, somebody came and filled the need. And so trust is built. And over time, you begin to trust people and uh, trust kind of the world that you know the that you're going to be taken care of well for some of us who didn't get what we needed in those times or have been abused or have been who have experienced trauma that that causes them to not trust people building community can be one of the most difficult things but it's one of the things that's most worthwhile And, you know, some of the things that you kind of have to exercise and make sure that you're doing is um, first, you need to make sure that you're asking for help when you need it. Um, When you feel like you need, when you need somebody, you need something, even if it's something small. I know for myself, like I prided myself on not needing people, you know, moving, I would move myself. But I would save, you know, 50 bucks on pizza and, and you know, and food and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I move my own self. But asking for help is one of those things that you won't regret doing. If you're moving somewhere, if you're painting a room, even if you can do it on your own, invite a friend to come and do it with you because it strengthens those muscles, those community building muscles of when you need help, you are exercising that ability to ask for it. The next thing is, you know, don't push people away. You know, have an understanding that people aren't going to get everything right all the time. And they might say something that triggers you and they have no idea. They might do something that causes you to not trust them. But it's more of an overreaction on our side because of what we've gone through. So work on not pushing people away. If they're asking about your past, they're probably, they're not probably being nosy, but they probably just want to get to know you. So don't be shy, you know, obviously be careful, use your best judgment. Um, You know, we talked about sharing our stories last week. Um, You want to 
use your best judgment with that. But in building community, you do have to make yourself vulnerable. And if they invite you to hang out, like go and do it. And even if you don't feel like doing it, because in building community, you need to spend time with each other and spending time with each other, it will build trust. And my number one rule when building community is don't be a jerk. Right, Emily? That's right. And uh, you are still working on that, but, um, you know, making progress every day. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's super important. You know, don't be a jerk. I mean, uh, you know, there's the golden rule, right? Uh, Treat others the way that you want to be treated. We want to be given the benefit of the doubt in situations. And sometimes we have to be reminded to do that same thing for the people around us. Be willing to jump in to conflict with people and rather than pushing them away, uh, be willing to talk through it and express why what they did triggered you and, and maybe they meant to do it and there's some reason maybe that, that it was not okay what they did and it was intentional. You know, we're not saying be, you know, a pushover and all of that, you know, have your boundaries and everything, but communicate and let people know versus being fiercely independent. I don't need anybody cutting people off saying like, oh, you know, this person looked at me sideways or they said this one thing strike or, and you're out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. And I know like Mason knows all about sports. So he'll understand <laughs> this. It's at least three strikes always. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, just making sure that you're you're actually giving people a shot and they'll do the same thing for you. Um, but yeah, in the end, don't be a jerk because like I'm telling you so many times in my life because I generally am not a jerk. It's sort of a natural thing. For me, you know, because I'm better than Mason, I guess, at this specific thing. But uh, now (laughs) it helps you keep those relationships with people that even as maybe you grow apart or time moves on or something, those people still have love for you and affinity for you and care for you because you weren't a jerk. We don't want to deal with jerks. So don't be a jerk. And uh, with that, uh, we're going to end our show as (laughs) we're going to end on you not being a jerk. No, seriously, like building community, there's no easy way to build trust. You're going to have to step out and just trust people. And it's going to be trial and error and people are going to fail you and you're going to fail other people. It's part of being human. But having community, there's no there's no substitute for it. So you guys have a very good week. We look forward to next week's show. Uh, Remember to like, to subscribe, to review, rate our podcast on whatever app you're listening to. You guys have a good week. Bye-bye. Yep. And uh, follow us on Instagram also, DLBC Podcast. And get on there and communicate with us. We want to connect with you. Have a good week. Bye-bye.